Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I know the podcast was supposed to come back at the beginning of August, and I had an episode that came out at the beginning of August, but then life kind of happened for me and some of my guests, and some stuff got rescheduled, so the next episode hadn't come out yet, so we've been on a bit of a break again, but we're back now, and today I'm so excited to share Lauren Cunningham's interview with you. I've never met her in real life, but just talking to her on this interview, we met for the first time and she's just so kind and she's been through a lot, but she has an incredible story to share and it's so inspiring. We're going to talk about her health journey and how that led her to entrepreneurship and what she's doing now as an integrative health coach. So I'm just really excited and grateful that I get to share this story with you. In case you've never heard of Lauren before, she's a recipe developer, certified integrative nutrition health coach, and podcast host. She develops recipes for fitness apps, health communities, and her own blog. Lauren believes that health is more than just what a person eats, and when she's not in the kitchen, she's coaching women through the holistic way of life. Her latest venture is her podcast, So Can I. She interviews women about their businesses and lives and hopes that her listeners leave each episode thinking, if she can do it, so can I. And so today, Lauren and I are just going to chat about her story and how she's really learned to navigate a season of uncertainty and deal with life when it doesn't go as expected, which I know um, has happened to me. And like she'll say in the episode, if it's not happened to you, you know, It probably will at some point in your life. So I just love her outlook on things and what she has to share. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the episode. Hey y'all, I'm Maya Palmer, a brand and website designer who empowers nonprofits and small businesses to meet their growth goals and your host for the Life Beyond Business podcast. My own questions about genuine community and leadership in the entrepreneur space inspired me to create this podcast so that we can learn together. In our online business world, it's so easy to let comparison, competition, and the daily hustle keep us from truly getting to know each other as real people outside of entrepreneurship. So I'm sharing my experiences and sitting down with leaders I admire to chat about what they're learning in life and how those lessons have impacted their businesses. Here, you'll learn about life and business from a fresh, relatable perspective that typical how-to content doesn't offer. Let's explore how you can lead an intentional life grow your business, and make a positive impact while you're at it. From lighthearted conversations to opening up about our struggles, each episode honors our unique life experiences. Ready to be inspired? Come join the conversation. I saved you a seat. Hey, Lauren, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So I got to hear a little bit of your story when you reached out to me, but I'd love for you to share with our listeners just kind of the health journey that you've been on and how it's led you to entrepreneurship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my health journey kind of started when I was in high school. And so I was just always having weird stomach pain. We could never figure out what was going on. Um, It wasn't really paralleled with any sort of disease that that people were thinking of. So I was kind of a medical mystery for a couple Mm -hmm. of years. And finally, my senior year of high school, Um, I had all these random fevers and like my body would hurt and and we just had no idea. And so they thought I had mono. Mm -hmm. And so it ended up, I I was tested, I think, four or five times for mono and it was always negative. 
perspective. And um, so finally, I'm not actually sure what it was that tipped us off to going to a gastroenterologist. I mean, obviously I had stomach pain, but Mm -hmm. um, finally we went to one and they did a scope and found that I had Crohn's disease. And at that point it was moderate to severe. And Mm -hmm. so um, my mom also has Crohn's disease and it's not we don't think it's hereditary. Like at this point, autoimmune diseases are so new. There's really no telling what's what caused mm-hmm. it, but her symptoms were very different from mine. And so that's kind of why we never really put the two together, um, that maybe mm-hmm. that's what I had. And so, um, she's able to control hers through an oral medication. And so, you know, I was 18 years old and we didn't want to go on cause a lot of Crohn's patients are on what's called a biologic. And so mm-hmm. it's an infusion every, it just depends which one you're on, but I'm on Remicade. And so that's the one they wanted to put me on and it's an infusion every eight weeks. And it's just, I mean, it's a harsh medication, you know, it's actually in the same class as chemotherapy. It's not anything like compared to that, but it is a a harsh medication. And so Mm -hmm. being 18, my parents and I decided that maybe that wasn't the best route. And since Mm -hmm. my mom could control hers with, um, with diet and with her medication, I went ahead and went on that same medicine that my mom was on. And so I think if we had known and in hindsight, I should have just gone ahead and done the biologic because that summer after my senior year, I got progressively worse. I was on steroids, um, you know, every single day and, um, and it just was not getting better. It was actually getting worse. And so Mm -hmm. finally one day I woke up and had just intense stomach pain. And I mean, obviously I had been in pain for like years. And so my pain tolerance is quite high, but this was like double over can't move kind of pain. Mm -hmm. And so then I started, um, actually throwing up. And so we knew that something was not right. Mm -hmm. And, um, went to the hospital and they said that I had what they call a bowel blockage. And so my Mm -hmm. intestines actually swelled shut because if people don't know what Crohn's disease is, it's um, inflammation in the digestive tract. And so Mm -hmm. my intestines got so inflamed that they were shut, they swelled shut. And so nothing could pass through. So I had to have what they call an NG tube. And so it goes um, down your or up your nose, down your throat and into your stomach to kind of drain everything. Mm-hmm. And I was in the hospital for five nights, you know, just being pumped full of antibiotics and steroids. And I felt a lot better after that. And so I went home, but I was still on steroids. I actually started college like two weeks later and mm-hmm. um, was still not good. I mean, I was still in pain and I Mm -hmm. still could barely eat anything. So at that point, really for the last, like that was in August of 2015. Mm -hmm. And so the three months prior to that, and then about five months after that, my diet really consisted of like rice and mashed potatoes. And then Mm -hmm. some days water because I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't tolerate anything. And so I ended up having another bowel blockage six weeks after the initial one. Mm -hmm. And, um, we just realized that my body had become dependent on steroids. And so I didn't taper off of steroids at that point. And so I was okay for a couple more months. And then I started the second semester of college in January of 2016. And pain was just terrible one day. And so my mom took me to the hospital. It was not a bowel blockage. We're still really not sure what it was. I think it was just my stomach saying, help me, I'm done. (laughs) Like we can't do this anymore. And so we realized that surgery was kind of inevitable at that point. Mm -hmm. And so I was in the hospital for a couple of weeks just to calm everything down. They wanted to get it 
as calm as they could before they cut me open. And so um, I knew because I had been on steroids for so long that I would have to have what they call an ostomy bag. And so, um, you know, I thought, well, this will be the worst part, you know, but it was just temporary. So it was just going to be for like a couple months. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I can get through that. I'd already dropped out of school for that semester. So I'm like, well, I can do this. And so um, it ended up being that I left the hospital, you know, with the ostomy bag and was home for a couple of days. And then I started getting really, really nauseous and that's mm-hmm. not normal. And so um, my doctor or my surgeon, um, he said, you know, you need to go back to the hospital. Everything looked fine on my end, but we just want to make sure. Mm-hmm. And so I got back to the, I went back to the hospital and um, they realized that, you know, something was wrong, but they couldn't really, again, couldn't figure it out. I'm just a yeah. medical mystery. And so uh, finally, after, you know, a couple of nurses or nurse practitioners and doctors putting their heads together, they realized that because I had lost so much weight mm-hmm. that I had this very rare condition called SMA and it stands for superior mesenteric artery syndrome. And so basically, you know, your body has fatty pads inside your body. So when you you lose mm-hmm. weight, it's not just on the outside, you also lose weight on the inside. And so mm-hmm. um, there's this artery and the, the fatty pad is around it, but the fatty pad completely disappeared because I had mm-hmm. lost so much weight. Um, and just for reference, I'm 5'10", so I'm very tall mm-hmm. and oh. I was under 100 pounds. So okay. it was terrible. Like I lost, I think like 30 pounds in the hospital mm-hmm. because I couldn't eat anything. And so that fatty pad disappeared and that artery closed in on my stomach and was not allowing food to go through. And so this is a super rare condition. Um, most doctors have never even had a case of this. And so there's only one doctor in the hospital who had ever seen it. And there's really not a treatment plan for it. So mm-hmm. the only thing you can do to reverse it, it is reversible, but you have to gain back the weight. And but you can't eat because it's not letting anything pass through. So you kind of have to figure out different ways to get nutrition. And so, again, Mm -hmm. they didn't really have a treatment plan for me. So they just said, well, why don't you drink 2000 calories a day? Just drink some milkshakes and drink, you know, some some protein shakes. And so I went home and lasted at home for about two days and was in pain again, which that um, whole condition was kind of giving me um, pancreatitis as well, just because that mm-hmm. whole area was just like um, messed up kind of. And so um, I went back to the hospital and said, I cannot drink 2000 calories a day. And it's, you know, it'd be one thing if you were told to drink to do that for a week, but we had yeah. no idea how long it would take to reverse this or if it even would. And so mm-hmm. um, they put me on IV nutrition at that point. And so um, I was getting 2,000 calories per night through an IV. And then I could also supplement it with um, milkshakes or whatever. So I actually ended up gaining like a pound a day for a while. And they kept me in the hospital just for observation. And so at that point, um, that was probably March. So I had been like in the hospital for two-ish months and finally got to go home. And this time I was home for good, but I was still on the IV. So I still had to do the IV nutrition at night. My mom had to hook me up to the IV and, you know, Mm -hmm. she's not a nurse. And so she's like, this is crazy. But um, anyways, so I was on that for about six weeks at home and then went to the doctor and they were like, well, why don't you just try food? And if you don't throw it up, then you're fixed. And if you do, then I guess we still have some work to do. And so I, yeah, I know I, I tried, I was craving a taco, which I mean, keep in mind, I really hadn't eaten well in a year, you know, like Mm -hmm. it had been a year. And so, um, I tried a taco and I was fine. So, 
I assume it reversed itself. It's been six years since then and I've not had any issues with that. And then, so that was in like April or May. And in July of that year, I had my ostomy bag reversed. So I had to go back in and have kind of like a, a pretty invasive surgery to reverse that. And so since then I, you know, went back to college, graduated college, and I actually majored in accounting and um, worked in public accounting for about 10 months. And then the pandemic hit and um, my immune system is compromised. So I had Mm -hmm. to come home. And um, so I ended up quitting my job at the accounting firm. I was getting my MBA at the time and -hmm. I've always loved business, but I never really thought that I would own my own business. Like I never, Mm -hmm. that was never like a dream of mine as a kid or anything like that. But that's when I went back to school and I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition during Mm -hmm. um, the pandemic. And so it was an online program and I became um, a certified integrative nutrition health coach and started my own business from there. So yeah, it's been a crazy journey. I've always loved the holistic side of things ever since I got sick because Mm -hmm. I've just seen how it's helped me, you know, whether that's through essential oils or, you know, whatever it is, like I have just always loved that side of things. And so, yeah, it it doesn't seem as random as it may have seemed in the beginning, because I feel like a lot of people were like, what is she doing? But it's easy to connect the dots now that I'm kind of like through that. But yeah, so that's kind of how I got started with my business. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sorry that you had to go through all of that, but I'm glad you've gotten better. And I just think it's so cool and inspiring that you're now using that and what you've learned to help other people. Yeah, well, thank you. And I, yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy journey, but I remember, you know, when I was really, really sick, um, I just remember thinking, I, I hope that, you know, obviously this is terrible, you know, obviously it's interrupted mm-hmm. my life, it's interrupted my family's life, but if I can help somebody else or, you know, share my story, then then that makes it not necessarily worth it, but it makes it better. Was it hard to be vulnerable and share so much of your story at first or was that something that came naturally for you? I think it honestly came naturally, which is interesting looking back considering I was only 18, but mm-hmm. I, I almost think it was sort of me being just kind of naive and just thinking, well, I'll just share it, you know? So I think yeah. maybe the age played into it um, in a good way, um, perhaps. But yeah, I think that I was just always pretty open and vulnerable. And um, and maybe that came from, you know, I had a, a really great circle of friends around me, my parents' friends, and mm-hmm. also like my church family. And I really do believe that people were genuinely concerned about me, um, yeah. especially when I was in the hospital. And so it sort of became just a way for me to share Um, you know, I would share like on Facebook so that I didn't have Mm -hmm. to text everybody, you know, obviously I would communicate with my close friends and family, but, Mm -hmm. um, it was just kind of a way for me to share and like reach a lot of people at one time. And so, Mm -hmm. um, but I remember I, so I started selling essential oils that, that kind of, that's a whole other story, but that just kind Mm -hmm. of was a little side hustle. Um, and it, it came at the perfect time because, you know, I had had to drop out that semester when I was really Mm -hmm. sick but I was still like I was um, I had recovered from surgery at that point. Like I wasn't sore anymore. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like I could do a bunch of stuff, but like I was bored, you know, like right. all my friends were in college and yeah. and I was at home and, you know, I was hooked up to an IV, you know, feeding machine at night. But like mm-hmm. during the day, I didn't really have much to do. And one of my mom's friends um, 
told me about, you know, essential oils and how they had helped her. And I used them for a couple of months and just fell in love with them and just how they treat the symptoms of things, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to finally sleep through the night with when I had lavender going in the diffuser. And so it was just because I mean, and I, I talk about this some, but there was a high level of anxiety that I had after that experience because, you know, and it didn't so much happen in the hospital, but it was when I was home because when I was in the hospital, I was with doctors and nurses and I felt relatively safe. There was never a time where I was scared really in the hospital. But when I got home, that's when I was like, okay, we have to do this on our own. My mom, Mm -hmm. who by trade is a teacher, you know, she's the stay at home mom now, but like, she doesn't know how to hook me up to an IV pole every night and like Mm -hmm. draw up the vitamins to put in the IV bag. Like it was just crazy. And so I felt I had a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was kind of my introduction to essential oils because my my mom's friend brought over lavender and it really helped me. And so I say all that to say that um, I think it was probably May or June of that year that I was really sick um, that I decided to kind of maybe go out on my own and and, and sell these a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was kind of just out of necessity because I really wanted to do something and there was just <laughs> nothing that, you know, like I said, my friends were in college and I was just bored. And, and I also loved essential oils. And so um, they're so deeply woven into my story as well. And so I wanted to share that. And so that was kind of the first time that I had really shared an in-depth look at my story. And I remember thinking that maybe I could post a Word document to Facebook. Like I had no clue how to blog or anything mm-hmm. like to do with websites. And so I remember texting my, I think it was my sister. And I was like, so how do I share this Word document on Facebook? And she's like, you can't do that. And so mm-hmm. uh, I had to kind of create my own, like, I think, I think I used WordPress in, in mm-hmm. the beginning. And so I created this blog that was honestly terrible. I don't even know where it is now, but um, I don't even know what it was called. I think it was my name. I actually tried to look it up a few weeks ago and I couldn't find it. So, um, <laughs> but anyways, I just needed a place to to type all of this out so that I could share it to Facebook and to, you know, Instagram and to my friends. And so that was sort of the first time that I had shared an in-depth story, you know, and, and also I think something that contributed to that was, um, you know, autoimmune diseases were, are on the rise. Like there are a mm-hmm. lot more people now that are diagnosed with them than there were seven or eight years ago when I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And so in that time when I was um, so sick, a couple of kids in um, our, we live in a small town, and two kids that were my younger sister's age were diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And then wow. another one was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. So there were three kids that were probably in seventh or eighth grade at that point that were diagnosed mm-hmm. with this. And so that was kind of me, you know, hoping to to kind of tell them, like, I'm on the other side of this and you can get on the other side of this. And so I think that's kind of why. Um, I was able to be so vulnerable and it just kind of came naturally because, mm-hmm. you know, their parents were calling my mom and saying, can Lauren talk to them? You know, and so even though I was only like 19 at the time, um, I was able to, you know, and who knows if I really even helped them or not, but I was at least able to talk to them. And I visited one who was in the hospital at the time. And so I think that is kind of why I was able to be so vulnerable um, about my health journey. Well, that's amazing. That, you know, you were, especially, you know, in a small town that you were able to really help and impact, you know, people that close to you even early on. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, it was, you know, sad, I guess, that I was able to do that because I wouldn't Mm -hmm. want anybody to be sick like I was. But also, like, I... 
And I had mentors through that time. There was a lady mm-hmm. who was very helpful um, in our community that had was um, she was actually one of my friend's grandmothers. And she had gone through all of this when she was in her 20s, which that mm-hmm. was back in like the 70s, you know, or 60s. Right. And so, um, you know, I think I saw what she did for me and how she was such a godsend to me and my family. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. you know, if I can be that for someone else, then then I would like to do that. I love that. And so as you've been sharing your story, you know, you really navigated a lot of uncertainty for a while, especially, you know, you know, you didn't know what was going to happen with your health and you had to drop out of school. And like you said, you're kind of bored for a while. So you're kind of figuring out what you could do. And so for anyone who's going through a season of change and figuring out what's next in their life, um, whether it's related to their health or anything, really, what advice um, do you have? on navigating that change and figuring out what's next when life doesn't go how we expect it to. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, if if you are somebody who life has gone as expected, just wait, because inevitably at some point something's going to happen. And um, but yeah, I think just kind of getting back to, you know, the things that you love is is really important. Like for me, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't even know that I liked essential oils until, you know, my mom's friend brought them over. And so also I think just, you know, developing a hobby or, you know, finding something that you just really, really like is Mm -hmm. so key to kind of surviving those moments. And even if it's Mm -hmm. just that you don't like your job, well, make sure that at home you have something to look forward to, you know, and maybe perhaps you could even make it into a business at some point, you know, but Mm -hmm. you don't have to. And I think that's, you know, something important to note, like your hobbies and passions don't always have to generate income. You know, you can just like those things. And, and so I think that, yeah. And so I think that, um, you know, just finding something that you like and that can kind of be your anchor through that time is really important. I, I don't know that I've told this story, but it's actually kind of funny. Um, so like I said, I had a lot of anxiety through that time, like when I was sick and mm-hmm. I couldn't sit still. And I really like to watch TV. I genuinely like to relax to a TV show in the evenings. And um, I also like reality TV. But when I was sick, it was like, okay, I don't want to watch a bunch of like housewives fighting. Like that just seems so yeah. trivial, you know, like I just mm-hmm. can't. I can't, I can't do this. And so um, I couldn't ever sit still in front of the TV. And it was just kind of like my anxiety just wouldn't let me enjoy it. And so my sister um, at the time, she was, uh, I don't know, I think she was in seventh or eighth grade. And she um, recommended that we start The Walking Dead, the TV show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I and I'm terrified of like horror movies like that is just not my thing. I do not like them. And so I was like, no, it's scary. And she had seen an episode. And at that point, they were like six seasons in. And so she had seen an episode and I was like, no, I don't want to watch that. That's scary. And she's like, it's really not scary. She's like, it's a little bit gory, but it's not really scary. And so I was like, well, let me just give it a try. And so we binge watched six seasons in Mm -hmm. three weeks, me and my mom and my sister did. And it was the first uh-huh. time that I felt like I could actually like breathe and relax. And mm-hmm. I was almost like transported out of, you know, my world, you know, as mm-hmm. I was watching this show. And so I know that's like such a strange example, but that was almost like an anchor during that time of like, okay, I don't feel good. I wish I was in college. I wish I was in normal or I, w- I wish I was normal, but I can sit here and watch the show and kind of be transported out of this world. Um, And so that really 
helped me. And so I think Mm -hmm. it's so important to, you know, if you are going through a season where things are uncertain or you're really nervous about something or you're really anxious, find the things that you like to do and do more of that. And a lot of times it will lead to something even bigger. Like for instance, with the essential oils, that was sort of my first entry into holistic or integrative health. And Mm -hmm. so I never would have foreseen that four years later, I would have started a business for integrative health. And so you just never know what those things that you like, where those things will lead you. Totally agree. And I think that's really good advice. And sometimes it can seem silly, but I've experienced that too, that, you know, just having something that you love can really help. And I like to escape with some TV too. Yeah, I think it's the best way to escape, honestly. And I mean, I know a lot of people, especially older people are like, you shouldn't watch so much TV, but it's just the way of our generation and the way of our world now. And and it's fun to escape. And, and, and I really think you can also learn a lot when you watch TV, depending on what you watch. And so, um, I am, fairly confident I could survive a zombie apocalypse now. So if that ever happens, <laughs> I feel very, very good about that. But no, I'm, I'm kidding. I I do I do think, though, that you should find something. And if that's not TV for you, that's fine. You know, whether mm-hmm. it's a podcast or whatever, find something and, you know, immerse yourself in that. And, and I think you'll feel a lot better. And I think this next question goes with that really well. But I know we're both fans of starting small when you're doing something new, especially like starting a business. So for anybody who's listening who maybe wants to be a coach just like you are, where do you think that they should start? What's one small step they can take? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's funny because I never saw this for myself. Like I just kind of stumbled into this. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, whenever I started taking classes at the nutrition school, my main goal was really to just heal myself. And Mm -hmm. I really didn't know if I would take it a step further and become a coach. Like I just wasn't, I, I never saw myself as a coach, but you know, it's just kind of naturally progressed. And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think if you want to be a coach of any sort, you know, a great way to start is by, you know, looking up different programs. I think being certified is very important mm-hmm. and you don't have to spend an arm and a leg to get, you know, I mean, I know there's a lot of registered dietitians out there and nutritionists and that's great. And, and, you know, hindsight, you know, if I was to go back to college, I might pursue something like that, yeah. but that wasn't my journey. That wasn't my story. I already had a college degree and I was not going back to get another one. Yeah. So a certification was a really good option for me. And I think it can be a good option for a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the school that I went to, it was great because they, you know, taught us that we can do whatever we want with the certification. And so I think finding one that you just kind of resonate with is a really good first step. But also, I think just doing a lot of research on, you know, what what it is that you personally want to do, like, who do you Mm -hmm. want to help, you know, because I feel like I have this message, and obviously, not all of my clients have autoimmune diseases. Mm -hmm. But I have this message that is kind of what's driving me to do what I do. And so I think just making sure that you know what your why is and why Mm -hmm. you want to be a coach, I think that's a good first step. I love that. And I think you mentioned three really important things there. Uh, One, just figuring out how you can get a good foundation on what you want to do, whether that is going back to school or just getting a certification. You know, like you said, you don't have to spend an arm and a leg. And then two, knowing who you want to help and what you want to focus on, because I think that can be something that can feel hard to figure out when we're starting out. But the sooner we can focus, um, I think it makes it easier to grow and really attract the people that you're meant to help. And then 
like you said, really knowing your why, that'll drive you through the hard times because starting a business isn't always easy. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And I think it is it is so important to know your why. And I'll kind of tell this brief story about my podcast. So I've wanted to have a podcast for like four years, like honestly, mm-hmm. since like 2018. And I never knew what my message would be, you know, but I just knew that at some point I would start a podcast because I just love listening to them. And I think it's such a great way to communicate with people and develop a loyal audience. And so I just knew that at some point, and this keep in mind, 2018 was before I even graduated college. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't even in the health and wellness area at all. And so I, you know, that was kind of just on the back burner in the back of my mind. I want to start a podcast. And so finally this year, I was able to get really specific on the message that I wanted to, to send to my, to the people who would listen to it, you know, and I was able to, to get, you know, kind of niche down and, and figure out what I wanted to do with it. And so I think had I launched it four years ago, it probably would have been a disaster because I didn't Mm -hmm. have a name. I didn't have a purpose for it. And so, you know, I think even though you like something, if -hmm. you can't figure out what you're going to do with it, maybe you don't make that a business. I mean, you can, a lot of people just start out with no direction at all, but I'm somebody Mm -hmm. that really needs direction. And so, yeah, I think just knowing your why and, and why you want to help people or why you want to do what you, you know, what you want to do that I think that that's really, really important. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I know you've shared about this a little bit um, already in the episode, but I wanted to ask you, what is it about integrative nutrition that inspires you so much? Because I think it's something that people may not have heard of before who are listening, or maybe they've heard of it, but don't know too much about it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll just kind of start by explaining what it is because you're right. A lot of people don't know um, a lot about it, but integrative nutrition is basically just like everything that affects your overall health. So it doesn't actually have to be food, right? So mm-hmm. it could be your job or, you know, your family life or, you know, your finances. All of these things contribute to our health. And so that's why I chose the Institute for Integrative Nutrition because mm-hmm. it gave a complete or a holistic view. You know, it, it really talks talks about the whole person and not just a few parts of the person. And so I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of times, even if you go to the doctor and they say, well, no, you need to meet with a nutritionist. Well, that's just focusing on food, which is a large part of your health. But this, you know, holistic nutrition or integrative nutrition focuses on everything, you know, everything that could contribute to your health. And so I loved that. And I just love that message because I think I've seen that time and time again in my life. Like when I was Mm -hmm. stressed with a job, my health would decline, you know, and when I was stressed out in college, my health would decline. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, if I wasn't getting enough exercise, or even if I wasn't hanging out with my friends enough, you know, I could feel it with, you know, how my health was going. And so I think that's why I love integrative nutrition because it really just looks at the whole person. Mm -hmm. And what made me really want to choose the Institute for Integrative Nutrition was because I, I did a lot of research about it and I saw how a lot of their health coaches went on to do so many different things. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what they taught us in the program was that you can do anything really with this, you know, certification. If you want to actually take on clients and coach them, that's great. You're, you can do 
that. If you want to develop recipes for fitness apps, that's great. You can do that. If you want to have a podcast, you can do that too. And so, you know, I'm doing all three of those things now. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think it's just a really good, you know, background. And again, I just love the idea of not feeling like I was boxed in doing the same thing for the rest of my life. And so I think, you know, something else that just inspires me a lot is that you do have options and you can really create whatever career you want to if you are in integrative nutrition. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I learned something new too. (laughs) Good. I'm glad. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't, you know, it's kind of like a fancy title, like, uh, you know, certified integrative nutrition health coach, but it really just, you know, it's a pretty simple meaning, but yeah, a lot of people don't, don't understand it. Thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on the show and sharing your story. It's been amazing talking to you. We just let everybody know how they can connect with you further. I know you have an amazing podcast, like you just mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. This has been so fun. And um, yeah, you can connect with me. So I'm on Instagram um, at L-A-U-R underscore Cunningham. That's my personal Instagram. And then my podcast has an Instagram page as well. And it's just called the So Can I podcast. And so that's just the Instagram handle. And then you can find it on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, um, so pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. And then my website is laurencunningham.co. And so you can kind of connect with me on any of those platforms. You know, you can DM me, you can, you know, connect with me on my website. And then you can also email me. My email is hello at laurencunningham.co. Awesome. And I'll be putting all of those links in the show notes as well. Wow, that was good stuff, right? To keep the inspiration coming, hit play on another episode. For show notes and links mentioned, head to mypalmerdesigns.com slash podcast. Thanks for being here.